0: Welcome to part one of episode number 46 of the Fiduciary you Podcast. My guest today is Liz Davidson from Financial Finesse, and this is her second time on the show. She and I ran into each other a couple of months ago at the Viking Cove Institute Summit out in San Diego, and she was telling me about this new book that she's written, and I thought it would be a great opportunity to bring her on the show to talk about it. On this episode, we discuss the book, Money Strong, Your Guide to a Life Free of Financial Worries. We talk about things like her writing process, her start framework, Uh, which outlines a universal process that can be applied to anyone's financial life, regardless of where they are. We talk about financial finesse and some of the cool things that they're doing. Uh, For instance, they're powered by Division, which is the fastest growing uh, business unit within the company and provides a combination of technology and coaching infrastructure to partners. We talk about AI and mass personalization, as well as the behavioral and psychological aspects to financial stress so i hope you enjoyed part one of this episode uh once you're done make sure to listen to part two liz davidson welcome back to the fiduciary you podcast you were uh you were or guest number 20 and uh it's so awesome to uh to have you back on the the show we fortuitously ran into uh each other at the viking cove institute uh summit they had a few weeks back in san diego and um, uh, it was great to run into each other and, and glad to be back on, uh, have you back on the show and, and talk about some really cool stuff that uh, both you and, and Financial Fitness are doing. So welcome.
1: Thank you. What guest number am I now, or what episode number am I now?
0: Oh. Going to be in like the mid-40s.
1: Mid-40s. Okay. Going
0: to be in mid-40s. I don't know if it's, it's going
1: to be. over my age. I'll take it.
0: 46. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like
1: to in the 20s better, but hey.
0: Well, me too, me too. I can't go, I, I, we can't go backwards, but I'm excited about this one. Um, uh, you know, you've got some really, really cool stuff going on, obviously financial finesse, and, and a lot of great things that you guys have done out in the industry and around, you know, one of my favorite, you know, I don't remember every episode I did, but, but, um, uh, I remember talking about like, in a lot of ways with your story, um, you were like the OG of financial wellness, like potentially even termed financial wellness in general. But uh, you know, obviously financial finesses continue to have tremendous success and, and you guys do a lot of cool things, especially on the tech front, AI and whatnot. Um, but let's first start talking about something new. Um, you've got a new book coming out I want to make sure I get the, 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 the title, right? Money strong, your guide to a life free of financial worries. Talk a little bit about that initiative and and uh, what the book is about and and really what prompted you to uh, embark upon um, that project. Having written a couple of books myself, that you know, JD Carlson's probably going to joke me for mentioning that on the uh, uh, on the show. Um, it's a labor of love, but but one of the most rewarding things you can do. Talk a little bit about um, uh, about your book and, and why you did it.
1: What's well, funny you say that because it happens. Um... So, it was, uh, my first book was 2016. So, this was, uh, you know, six years uh, after, and I think that six years made me forget yeah. <laughs> what writing book was like. Right. Um, what happened was McGraw Hill reached out to me uh, with an offer that literally I could not refuse, um, which was: we want you to write a book um, on financial wellness for people that are facing financial stress, which is, you know, the vast majority of Americans and you have carte blanche to write whatever you want based on your experience. And we're going to give you a nice advance. So it's <laughs> kind of like, okay, this is pretty much, you know, kind of a no brainer. Um, I get to write, you know, the book I've always wanted to write and, um, What we did was really uh, looked at our, you know, 24 years of experience financial coaching um, with financial coaching for employees of all walks of life. Um, You know, we've worked with employees from some of the largest, you know, fortune, you know, 100 companies all the way to sports leagues in association with professional athletes all the way to companies you know, employees from companies that have 20 people, right? So really looked at all this data, all these stories, and identified what we felt was the most universal framework um, that we could come up with that transcended uh, success stories across the full financial spectrum. And that's what we call the START framework. And the book is based on this framework which is set yourself up for financial success. And that's all the behavioral finance to make sure that you're doing the things, you're setting up an environment that's supportive of your financial success, you're automating wherever possible, you're selecting a financial identity, you're removing triggers, all of the things that we know work when it comes to neuroscience and behavioral finance. Tackle your financial stress, whether you're in severe stress, uh, because you're dealing with a, a crisis, or whether your stress is simply, I'm worried about the economy and losing what I have. There are ways to manage that stress, both emotionally and financially. We give you all those tips. Advance towards the life you want. We talked about this earlier. It may not be what you're, you know, you've been told you should have. Mm-hmm. It's what you really want. Not. It may not be that home, right? You may be someone that wants to move every two years, wants to travel, and doesn't want to be be a homeowner. You may not want to have kids or get married on the time frame, you know, or par- or have a life partner on the time frame someone else has told you. So really understanding what's going to drive your happiness and sense of fulfillment and then from there planning for those goals by saving and investing appropriately. Role model positive financial good financial habits and behaviors because the more that you are able to role model, the more you're reinforcing your learning and continuing to keep yourself motivated. So it's a way to pay it forward, but also continue to improve your own financial journey and then thrive by living your purpose. Because we all know, I think, or we're all starting to realize that money is not about acquisition of things. It's not about status and it's not about the Instagram lifestyle that most people can't afford anyway. It's about having the freedom to not be in relationships you want to be, in jobs you you don't want to be, to not be chained to a paycheck, but instead to have the ability to find meaning and purpose and use your time and your talents in the best possible way to be as, as fulfilled as possible as a human being.
0: Love it. I love it. You know, in a lot of ways, it it, it, um, it, it sounds a lot like kind of the, the you know, the fi- the comprehensive planning process of you know beginning kind of with the end in mind this is yep. this is yep. what I, this is what good looks like for me yeah and now how do i work backwards um to make that a reality is that fair
1: that is fair i think the the difference is um neuroscience, right? Brain science has taught us a lot about the behavioral aspects of money. And so really integrating that as a first step, I think is critically important because you can have all the goals in the world and even really good plans. But if you don't have a system that keeps you from being derailed because of our human nature (laughs) that gets in the way, um, it's very easy to get off track. It is so so easy. For example, not having an emergency fund or not having a supportive group of friends and peers that are supporting your journey as opposed to dragging you out to, you know, expensive dinners or clubs or vacations that are, you know, very hard to resist but aren't necessarily, you know, supporting maybe what you want for your financial future
0: what was your, um, kind of process in writing the book? Like, how do you write? Uh, I, I know kind of the process I follow, but what's your process? Um, when you, you know, having written two books now, like, what does that look like?
1: Oh God. Um, I mean, honestly, it's deeply dysfunctional. I think, uh, I did say earlier that the six year time frame was, um, Probably very good because I completely forgot the difficulties and only remembered the pride of having written a book. And so um, my process is to, you know, obviously do an outline first. We developed the framework very early on, and the outline was very, very detailed. Um, the next step was severe procrastination, um, which in do- did actually serve a purpose because. As you know, you've written a couple of books that thinking about it, right? You're running or, you know, the whole cliche in the shower and you're thinking about it, but, and maybe jotting things down here and there, but you're not yet writing because your brain is germinating on it. And then to get to a point where I have to begin turning in the chapters per the deadline in my contract, or it could be at jeopardy and then writing for, 10, 12, 14 hours straight.
0: That That advance is really good until you have to deliver.
1: You get that done. And you know, here's the thing. I have yet to meet a writer that I've talked to. I mean, you may be an exception that isn't really motivated by deadlines because it's very easy to be perfectionistic. You can sit in front of a blank screen and just write and rewrite if you have all the time in the world. But once you have to produce something, all of a sudden, you hone in, you find the words, and if it's not perfect, you move on, and then you come back and edit. You don't sit at a blank screen when you know you've got, you know, a few days before you have to turn this into an editor that you deeply respect and um, you know is not going to react well to a late submission. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's how I write. <laughs> not not the most, you know, perfect process, but it works.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the key is finding, finding like a lot of things in life. You got to find out kind of what works. Um, and I, have always, you know, with, I'm not a writer. Um, I would say I'm an author and, and the difference between the two in my opinion is, you know, a writer is like an artist with words, you know, Hemingway. An yeah. author is more of an artist with ideas and being able to kind of, um, uh, you know, nobody's ever going to confuse me of being in a, excellent writer, but the, the an author with the ability to kind of take an idea and then break it down, communicate ideas really well. And then you've got editors who can come in and kind of work their magic and make the words sound the way that they, the way that they should. I, I was the same way with you. I kind of worked backwards and I, I had a very fluid, and, you know, I had my framework typically the way I did it. Um, cause I get a lot of people ask me about like, how did you do it? I was like, well, I kind of envisioned kind of like your, your start, right? I, um, framework, I kind of envisioned this is what I want the book to include like these are the chapters, these are the topics, and then I would just kind of work backwards based yeah. on i 've got my framework i 've got my outline. these are the fifteen chapters or twenty chapters I want in there, and then I would just kind of like you know, I would be inspired i'd write something sometimes i 'd get stuck i 'd go focus on something else and but you 're right with the deadlines. If you don't establish those, and that goes back to kind of the behavioral, the neuroscience. If you don't kind of, yeah, yeah. If you don't establish the behavioral aspect of whether it's finances, whether it's writing, whether it's you know um, working out and getting healthy, if you don't have a system or a framework, I just think by nature it's really, really hard to achieve the things that you want to do. So, congratulations! I think that's really that's that's awesome. Um, when does the book come out? It is out. Ah, awesome. So it was... I'll
1: link to that. Yeah, it was slated for 228. It actually was born into the world, I think, last Wednesday. uh, Wednesday evening, Thursday morning, depending on West Coast, East Coast. Uh, So supply chains and similar nature are, you know, unpredictable. So (laughs) all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. It was supposed to be February 28th, but, um, you know, I guess... You know, between the printer and Amazon and iBooks and everything, it just kind of got out there into the world, and so baby came early.
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Um, one of the cool things that you're doing, though, is that um, uh, the kind of the charitable bin around this and and you're doing some things with i think probably based on your experience i think with like the nfl players association you're doing things with the um with the nil which is i believe it is this, is it the name um image and likeness i think yes. is right yes. It's basically how how college athletes now can essentially um be paid um And you're doing some really cool stuff around that. Maybe talk briefly about uh, what that looks like.
1: Yeah. So uh, 50% of the proceeds of the book are being donated to a separate fund um, that we are using to fund a purely philanthropic initiative, which is a financial literacy certification program for student athletes so they can maximize earnings from the new NIL law, their name, image, and likeness law that went in effect July 1st, 2001. And what this allows them to do, which they should have been allowed to do. I know you mentioned you were a student athlete back in our day, they, you know, we, they should have been allowed to do, but you know, they weren't, and now they are, and now they have all these different ways that they can earn money, but they lack education around just even the basics on taxes. Imagine getting a big check because you're a star player on a football, baseball, basketball, volleyball, whatever sport it may be. You have a lot of followers and a brand reaches out, wants you to do a national campaign. You get a really large check. Imagine six figure check, this is happening. Um, And no one tells you you have to pay taxes. And you're 18, 19 year old college student. When you are an 18 or 19 year old college student, would you have saved <laughs> you know, a, a decent portion of that check in a separate account to pay the IRS? Of course not, right? So we are sitting on this potential kind of powder keg of student athletes that are unfortunately, I think, going to end up in some serious tax trouble and potential debt from something that could be if, if, if they have the right education, one of the most amazing wealth-building opportunities of their lives. And that's a big issue. So, you know, we're very focused on preventing that negative scenario, but also how do you, how do you make sure this is a positive scenario? Now take that same athlete that gets this national contract and has the education to know, okay, got to save some for taxes, but also... I'm on scholarship, but that doesn't fund other basic needs. Let's make sure I take care of those. Let's establish an emergency savings fund. Got to put myself in a little credit card debt. Let's get me out of that. And then let's start investing for my future because we all know investing 50,000, 60, 70,000, whatever amount of money it is from even that one contract, one six-figure contract, what that's gonna be in five, 10, 20 years down the road. and That's one NIL, large NIL contract. Now, not everyone is making this amount of money. It's very new. There's a huge spectrum, but the opportunity is there. And if we can get these student athletes who have 50 million collective followers and 18, 17 million, I'm sorry, 14 million college students, you know, many of whom follow them um, to model these financial habits and behaviors and show what you can do with money if you use it in a positive way yeah. imagine the ripple effect on this next generation that is facing significant financial headwinds. this could change everything yeah. and we're very obviously you can tell we're very excited about it
0: <laughs> I, think that, I think that is uh, i think that's awesome uh, like i said I, I in the show notes we'll uh, uh we'll link out to the uh to the book and, and super exciting so talk a little bit about just like what's what's going on with financial finesse you guys have a lot of cool initiatives you're working on um, maybe talk about the um you know it's funny like i hear you talk about wellness but it, it, you know it, it's more about coaching um, talk a little bit about of what's happening how have you seen you know it's been it's been uh it's been almost two years since you were back on the show uh, 18 about 18 months let's say um where have you and, and and obviously wellness and and uh has become a kind of a hot commodity um what have you seen over the past couple of years how have you seen these conversations um change and 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 talk a little bit about you know financial finesse and kind of the approach of coaching you know versus advice or comprehensive planning and whatnot
1: yeah so really and it's maybe 24 months ago that we really made this shift but certainly we were in the very early stages 18 months ago and now i would say you know we really are uh, making a big impact in this area. Uh, we started um, again about two years ago what we call our Powered by Division, which provides uh, infrastructure both technology-wise as well as our financial coaching services uh, to retirement firms, uh, benefits brokers, and general, you know, financial services firms. And that has just exploded. It's the fastest growing area of our company. And what we're discovering in working with these firms is the synergies are way more than either we or our partners thought. And so these relationships are growing very aggressively and exponentially um, to the point where many of them, say they're on the retirement side, are uh, paying for financial coaching, both virtual, as well as um, you know, human-based. It's weird that we say human now. It sounds so inhuman, but human-based coaching uh, to all their participants, but as part of their larger financial wellness strategies, because you know you have to have a financial wellness platform now. It is a must-have in the retirement industry. If you're a record keeper, if you're a retirement plan advisor, Increasing the RFPs are asking, what are you doing to improve outcomes? What do you have in terms of financial wellness? And having a solution that is best in class and combines financial coaching for those that are more financially stressed with financial advice and wealth management, which we don't do, but many of these firms do or do through advisors they're partnered with. For those that need help preserving, growing and preserving wealth, you know, is really the highest level offering you can provide employers and an incredible differentiator. So we're just seeing like, I mean, this, this business is growing at a phenomenal rate and I don't, I think we're still at the beginning, which is crazy because what has happened in two years would typically take, I think a decade to materialize, but the timing You know, it was just right at the right time when the world was starting to realize the depth of financial stress in this country and employers were starting to demand better mental, physical and financial solutions. And then obviously, if employers are demanding that, anyone servicing those employers, you know, has a vested interest in being able to bring those solutions to the table.
0: Right. Right. What um And this kind of powered by, like, how how does that work?
1: We are, think of, um, I'm kind of aging myself here potentially, but Intel Inside, right? So that's the chip in the computer. Essentially, our clients are the computer. So they're the Apple, they're the brand um, that is providing this. And it is their program. We are leveraging our tech infrastructure, our coaches, our marketing infrastructure, um, you know to engage, make sure that the participant engagement that there is there that the plan sponsors and advisors, you know, are all in in this whole ecosystem are aware of it. Um, so we are powering their program, but it is their program. And each one of these programs that we have with our partners is unique because they all have different offerings. They're all layering different you know types of education and content in addition to what we bring to the table. On top of it. So, um, you know, they really are able to have a very differentiated offering. Um, You know, even if you have two different firms working with us,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, we're behind the scenes, elevating them and getting them um, to go to market in a very scalable, effective way. It's their program um, with our support.
0: Got it. What what would you say are the keys what do you would say are the keys to success for wellness for an employer and then for let's call it an advisor? Like what, what you guys, you hear, you know, I think there's definitely been this trend now where it's, and we see this with a lot of things. It's kind of like companies are, you know, it's kind of like, Hey, I got to have this because my competitors have it whatnot, but actually, moving the needle and making it work. Like, what does that look like? And what are the keys to success to have not just a, a, a wellness program, but one that actually gets the job? Yes. Yeah.
1: Uh, so I'm going to say three things. Go all in. Um, a lot of people uh, look at this, check it off the box initially. The RFP says, you know, we have to have it. So let's scramble and find something. Employers are sophisticated now um, in a way they weren't before, and that's not gonna fly certainly with best, the kind of employers that you really want as clients, that's not gonna fly. You, you can't be half pregnant, you can't be half in financial wellness. You are in or you are out. And by going all in, have a strategy, if you're an advisor, you're a record keeper, you're in this industry in any, any way, have a strategy and a program built already. Um, Do not wait to build, you know, based on one client asking for something because you're going to be behind the curve. You're not going to be able to present with the confidence of having the best practices, the results, the case studies, the references. And again, clients can see that. Second, mass personalization. And we talked about this earlier, right before the podcast, the days of one by one by one, right, like in the break room, meeting with people, and that still happens. But the days that the thought that that is going to get you to the scale you need to affect major transformational change for your clients, your plan sponsors, that's just not it's just not a thing anymore, especially with so many people working at home. So our programs and and really best practices are all based on what we call mass personalization through leveraging technology, coupled with webcasts that can be delivered in large groups and one-on-one connections to coaches through chat, text, you know, email, phone, you can reach a very large number of people, but in a very personalized way. So we have like a virtual financial coach called Amy that personalizes the experience through AI in a way that wasn't possible even five years ago. Right? I mean, it's just that the world has advanced so much. You have to be thinking that way has to be mass has to reach a large number of people, but has to be so individualized that you, Josh, have a completely different experience than me, Liz, because our our lives are different. The way we learn, what we need are are different. Um, And then the last thing is um, it has to meet the needs of everyone from the most financially stressed or lowest paid employee all the way to the executives that might be in in wealth preservation mode. everyone in between and all the challenges and life events and goals they have. If it doesn't meet that, if you're not all in, if you don't have a mass personalization strategy um, and if you're not able to reach the full spectrum of employees, I don't think you're really in financial, the financial wellness game. And I don't think you really have an offering that is sustainable long-term
0: of that boardroom to the break room or the break room to the boardroom.
1: Yes, and employers expect that. They would expect all of their employees to be able to have unlimited access to a highly personalized experience, level benefit. You know, the days of, I just work with executives are over.
0: I hope you enjoyed part one of my episode with Liz Davidson. Make sure to listen to part two, where we continue our conversation and cover a lot of great Uh, topics and information.